Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. Welcome to another edition of Protecting America. In recent days, we saw a horrible and very deadly Texas elementary school shooting. And now experts are trying to determine what needs to be done to protect our nation's children. And joining us now to discuss this is former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer. Commissioner Safer, thank you so much for being here. Good to be with you, Rita. What was your reaction? It has been heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, first to see how many precious lives were taken, students and, of course, two teachers as well at that elementary school. It was a horror. And, you know, unfortunately, just one of many. We've had so many mass shootings in this country since Columbine, and there are ways to prevent them. But unfortunately, our politicians have not stepped up to do what needs to be done. Why is that? Why have they not done more, Howard? Well, a lot of it has three initials. It's the NRA. The National Rifle Association has a very powerful lobby. They have spent millions of dollars making sure that people who oppose what they believe in don't get reelected. And quite frankly, lots of politicians are afraid of them. And it's very sad. Is there a middle ground? Because we even heard from Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. He's a Democrat. But he said, I am all for working towards common sense gun control. That sounds like somebody who thinks maybe Democrats and Republicans can find some sort of middle ground. What do you think? I think there is a middle ground. In fact, I have an idea that I'm trying to push forward anywhere I can, which I think will keep guns out of the hands of mass shooters. And what is that? Tell us about your plan. Since Columbine, just about all of the mass shootings have involved young men under 18, have involved assault weapons. You know, in this horrible tragedy that just took place, Ramos went into a gun store, put down $2,000, and in a very short time thereafter, walked out with two assault weapons. You know, assault weapons are semi-automatic. They're not regulated beyond what I just described. And anybody 18 years and older can go in and get one. And I find that horrendous because there is no sporting use for an assault weapon. It's designed for one thing only, and that's to kill people. Now, we had an assault weapons ban, which ended in 2004. And unfortunately, the Congress has no appetite for reinstituting it. But there is something in between. The federal gun laws require that if you want to own a machine gun, not not an assault rifle, but a machine gun, you can get a license. And in order to get that license, you need to submit two photos, have your fingerprints taken, have a local law enforcement agency certify that you should have one, and pay a $200 tax. If we reclassified assault rifles the same way we treat machine guns, then none of these kids would be able to just go into a store and buy an assault rifle. And that's, you know, from a logical standpoint, it's not violating anybody's right to own a weapon. It's just putting them through a few more hoops to protect the public. And I think that is a logical way to deal with these young people getting these guns so quickly. What kind of screening goes through, like, you know, the background check? You know so well, Commissioner. What are some of the steps that maybe they would see? Obviously, criminal background, but what are some of the other things that would be flagged? Well, what would be flagged would be 
any criminal record, any involvement with law enforcement, any drug use. We do need to strengthen the red flag laws so that instead of following HIPAA regulations, when it comes to people who are a danger to the community, we create a database of people who have been treated for mental illness because of violence. Right now, that doesn't exist. You know what's stunning? Why doesn't that exist? To me, that is such, and I understand privacy, all these issues, but what about America's security? To me, that is shocking. Absolutely. The carnage that has taken place over the last 10 years is ridiculous. I mean, think of all of the families that will never be healed. Think of all of the good things that some of these young people who have been murdered could contribute to society. It's just beyond the pale that we don't do something. And certainly politicians should step up and do what they need to do to protect the public. And is the reason, is it because of privacy solely, as I suggested with HIPAA? What is the reason that at least that information, maybe you don't want it shared with the general public, but why wouldn't you want to share it at least with the gun seller, law enforcement, certainly? Shouldn't that be fair game? It should be fair game. But you know what the NRA attitude is towards anything that would put responsibility on the gun owner is that they say it's the camel's nose under the tent, that this is just the beginning of a slippery slope where they're going to take our Second Amendment rights away. And that couldn't be further from the truth. But it's the scare tactic that they use to prevent any kind of regulation of weapons. Is it fair that maybe the door would be cracked wide open? Because if you listen to Senator Schumer, the Democrat of New York, as you know, and some of these other Democrats, I mean, right away, they literally were saying that basically Republicans have blood on their hands. I mean, it was outrageous. Well, you know, I I know Senator Schumer and Senator Schumer never met a camera you don't like. And the fact is that he is always doing these panic kind of broad brushes, and he knows himself this is not true. Nobody is going to take away the constitutional right of people to own weapons. But we have to look at what kind of weapons they are and what kind of responsibility we put on the gun owner. I have always been an advocate of requiring insurance for gun owners to protect the public. I mean, you get in a 3,000-pound automobile, and you have to have insurance. Why shouldn't you have to have insurance if you own a gun? You know, what we need to do is have sane ways for people to own weapons. You know, I'm not against the Second Amendment, and I'm not against people having the ability to protect themselves in their own homes. But you don't need an assault weapon to do that. What do you make of the fact that this guy, 18 years old, right, it seems like, right as soon as he turned 18, he gets one gun, then he gets a whole slew of ammo, and then he buys the second gun. Again, it is legal in Texas. How often shouldn't that flag something? Of course it should. It's legal in most states. But, you know, gun stores are businesses. And when they get a chance to sell a weapon, as long as it's legal, they're not going to look to whether or not the individual is going to go out and kill 19 kids and two adults. It's a crazy thing. And when you look at the rest of the world, the rest of the world looks at America where we lead the world just about at homicides per capita. And it's because there are more weapons in this country than there are people right now. How much is it the mental issues of what's going on, too, uh, that combination, Commissioner Safer? Because we've seen 27 school-related shootings this year alone in America, to your point, just a huge number. How much of it is also the mental instability of individuals, isolation? I mean, if you look at this 
kids' history. And I hate to say anything that makes people feel sorry for him because I think what he did was despicable. But you look at his background. He had a broken home. He had, it sounds like, a drug addict parent staying with a grandmother. There always seems to be this combination of things. And also, I don't believe that he just snapped. I feel like there were so many warning signs that people missed. There are. And, you know, unfortunately, we're never going to be able to regulate that part. But what we can do is we can make school security better. I believe we should have an armed officer in every school. I believe that every school should basically have one entrance where people are screened before they're allowed into the general population of the school. I believe that schools should have CCTV, that law enforcement can instantly cut into to see if something's going on. And all of this technology exists. We just need to use it and make sure that once it's in place, that people are trained to use it. I think of the situation I remember of a number of years ago where somebody got into a school through a back door that had a proper lock on it, but the teachers thought it was inconvenient, so they left it propped open. So, you know, that's the other thing. You need to train people to use the equipment that they have. Absolutely. And by the way, as we're learning, sadly, in this Texas case, we're seeing that there's a lot of issues that went wrong. There was originally a report that it was like a school resource officer who was outside the school who basically had a gunfight with the gunman. It turns out that's not true. So we don't know where the school resource officer was. Then he goes, this guy too also goes through the back door, which was wide open when they had a lockdown alert. They had already had, you know, gunfire in the parking lot. Why wasn't every single door in that school locked down? What are your thoughts about those two issues? Well, you know, those are certainly troubling issues, but, you know, we should not rush to judgment. First, I know that whenever there's a situation like this, Tons of misinformation come out. And when you look into it, a lot of the things that we thought happened really didn't happen. So there's going to be a real biopsy of this entire situation to see when the police were alerted, when they got there, what they did, who did what. And then we can make some judgments, but it's way too early to make judgments now. How much does it pain you to hear now some of these recent reports where they say that there were officers who were outside for a long time And we're not sure. We believe there were some inside at that point, but just a minimal amount. Parents are saying, you you see them on video saying, go in, go in. What are you doing? They wanted to run in themselves and stop the gunman. What's your reaction as a commissioner when you hear that? Well, you know, if that happened, it's troubling. But again, we need to wait to get the facts. I mean, the protocols have changed since Columbine. You know, Columbine proved that establishing a perimeter around a active shooter only leads to more deaths. So the protocols have been since Columbine, as soon as you get on the scene, you get to the shooter and you neutralize the shooter as quickly as possible. Whether that happened in this case or not, we'll find out when they get all of the real facts. How gut-wrenching is it when you hear that parents were just out there waiting and wondering, is their kid going to be alive? It's gut-wrenching. And as a law enforcement person, they're trying to keep them away for a perimeter because you don't want them running in either. I mean, that doesn't help the situation. There's no way to describe the loss of a child to a parent. It is the worst possible thing that anybody could think of. But, you know, there's a lot of chaos that goes on in those kinds of situations. And you had three or four different law enforcement agencies, probably on different radio frequencies, 
probably establishing an incident commander was not immediate. And again, I'm not about to judge until all the facts have been looked at because when somebody's shooting at you, I think of that picture that was in one of the papers today of allegedly the border patrolman who shot this individual who basically had a bullet go through the top of his hat. And these are very traumatic, stressful situations. Fortunately, law enforcement officers let their training kick in and do the right thing. And I'd like to believe that that's what happened here. And we'll find out when it's all investigated. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing are some of the heroes that we're hearing, including Commissioner Safer, a 10-year-old girl. This is an incredible story. You know, the gunman comes in and she's still dialing 911 because she wanted to help her classmates. How inspiring is that? It is, as well as I understand one of the teachers who was killed threw her body in front of the kids. And, you know, that kind of heroism, you can't describe how brave that is. What about the role of parents, or in this case, the grandparents, because he was living with them? I find it hard to believe they didn't see warning signs. You know, I think about the case, Commissioner Safer. I covered a lot of the Newtown, you know, Sandy Hook case, which was very similar. A lot of people are making comparisons because Adam Lanza first killed his mother tragically. Then he goes to the school where she had worked. So there were some comparisons. In this case, we find out, you know, that, you know, this was a troubled kid. It seems like a lot of people where he worked said he had a short fuse. He was showcasing buying guns. He was self-mutilating. And in the Newtown case, I'll never forget, I remember the mother thought taking her son to the gun range would have a bonding experience. She knew in that case, there was no question the kid was mentally deranged, had issues, you know, was counseling, in and out of counseling for years, high medication. I mean, there were so many of these things, violent tendencies, and yet she would take them to the gun range. I mean, that to me is staggering. Isn't there a responsibility? There is a responsibility. But, you know, one thing I've always said, you can't legislate compliance or good order. You can only put the things in place, but there's always going to be exceptions. And tragically, the exceptions are things like Sandy Hook and what happened in Texas. But there are things you can do. As I said before, you improve physical security. You improve the people who are going to be there armed. You make sure that there's a deterrent so that somebody knows that they're not going to get into a school. They're not going to get past the armed person who's at the front door. They're not going to let people in unless they identify themselves and they're clear that they're not carrying anything. So, you know, we have to use everything. Will this be the last mass shooting? Unfortunately, no. But can we do things to minimize it? It's like I said about what we do with assault weapons and change how you can obtain them. It won't stop them, but it will certainly minimize the ability of somebody to suddenly say, I'm going to go in and kill a bunch of kids. Absolutely. And obviously, whatever we can do is pivotal. What about the role of social media? Because even in the case in Buffalo, the guy posted these very, you know, horrible messages of what he was about to do. We know there were people that were in this, like, chat room. They didn't have a lot of time, but still, I think it was about 30 minutes before he opened fire on that, you know, grocery store. And then in this case, we know this guy was sending messages to some girl he met online in Germany and said, hey, I'm about to kill my grandmother. I've killed my grandmother. Now I'm going to an elementary school. I think social media bears a great responsibility here that they're not meeting. They have algorithms that can certainly tell people if they like Republicans instead of Democrats and bar them from putting those posts on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. 
Well, they certainly should have an algorithm that could tell people when they're posting things about violence. One thousand percent. And the other thing I also think about is the fact that we don't know what this 15-year-old girl who received it, and again, she lives in Germany, doesn't know him. It's not, it doesn't sound like they met. But isn't there need to be better education to tell other kids? Because listen, they're with them in the school. Now we're hearing this guy was unstable. They were worried about him. He dropped out of high school. Graduation was this week. So that could be part of his motivation. But when you hear it all, you know, you go, why couldn't she have called somebody? Yeah, but, you know, it's a combination of all of it, Rita. Again, we're not going to totally stop it, but there are actual things we can do, like preventing people from getting assault weapons until they're really vetted, unlike what happens now. Certainly, mental health is an important thing, but, you know, it doesn't always work. It's just like crime. You know, people talk about rehabilitation. There are just some people who can't be rehabilitated and have to be in prison. And that's the most important thing is protecting the public from people like that. Well, that's why I say that family members and classmates, yeah, it's hard to report somebody in your class. You're worried maybe they're going to have retribution against you, but maybe somehow anonymously get a teacher in, find out so they can at least be aware because often those are the ones who see something. You know, I, I find it hard to believe and we don't know but that the grandmother apparently knew he was self-mutilating, was troubled. You know, I think there's a lot of layers here where maybe there could be some awareness classes to parents, to other kids. It it certainly wouldn't hurt. But when you really think about it, and when you really think about crime in this country, and I'm not talking about mass shootings, but just violent crime in general, with the breakdown of the nuclear family in underserved communities, with single parents working all day long, sometimes into the night, and these kids being unsupervised, They get into gangs, and we see the kind of violence that we're seeing right now. What is your message to parents who are listening? Because, boy, they are worried right now about how sad. I mean, I think about when I went to school, I didn't worry about something like this. I'm sure you didn't either, you know, Commissioner. Times have changed, as you pointed out. What's your message to parents? What should they do or what should they be thinking at this moment? Well, I think what they should do is they should certainly make sure that they make their feelings known to the school districts or the school areas that they're in that they expect the schools to provide the proper security for their children. And they also should make it clear that if there's a kid acting out who has any propensity for this kind of violence, he should be immediately put under supervision. And again, like I said, you're not going to get it all, but everybody has to do their part here. You see the repeat offender, Howard. I mean, that's the other issue, too. You see people that have done violent things over and over again. I always kind of make the distinction, you know, trying to have all controls, but not just a gun control. What about a thug control? Absolutely. You know, the bail laws that have been passed in major cities with these leftist DAs who are not prosecuting crimes, enforcing the law the way the law was written, is crazy. The idea that you commit a murder and they put you out on bail and then you commit another murder. I mean, look at that poor individual in the subway who was shot last week, randomly killed on the subway by somebody who had three cases pending and 19 arrests. I mean, that's basically saying, go out and do whatever you want. Absolutely. They need to be scared that if they do something illegal, that they should have sort of the fear and death of them, you know, and also the broken windows theory, which, you know, you did so beautifully when you were commissioner. That kind of a message needs to be put. Well, exactly. I have always said that the only people who should fear police are criminals, but they should fear police. And the way they're going to fear police is by police enforcing the law and making sure that criminals know that if they carry guns 
or even if they jump over subway turnstiles, they're going to be arrested and they're not going to be giving a desk appearance ticket. They're going to go to jail. And that's really what needs to be done in New York and other large cities. But sadly, it's not being done now. Yeah, there are so many layers to this. Well, former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer, thank you so much for joining us on Protecting America and also for all that you do to keep us safe. You have literally been on the front lines for decades. Thank you, Commissioner. Good to be with you, Rita. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.